the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson and Barton Simmons. It's your call for the best college football coverage. From National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between, CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports that's Barton Simmons. That's Don Fernelli. I'm Chip Patterson, and uh, we're here because it is time for Locks 2, Electric Boogaloo, The Locks Strike Back, our, our Locks Show 1, uh, as we're sitting here recording. Not all the results are in. We'll have a, a few to be able to look back on, but this is going to be uh, carrying you all the way through the 30th. So we've got five games on the 27th. We've got four games on the 28th, including the two college football playoff semifinals, of which we will be sure to spotlight, uh, regardless of whether we've got some locks. And then 1230, uh, that is the Monday after um, the semifinals, and there are four games on that day. So we've got 13 games in total to choose from. Gentlemen, how are we doing? What is the locks card looking like for this uh, this edition of the Bowl Locks? Uh, let's see. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I have seven as well. My worksheet has 10, but... <laughs> We'll see. We'll see what happens by the time we uh, we what get. What is that like t- ten of fifteen or something? That's pretty strong. Well, there's some of them are uh, sides and totals for the same game. Sure. Okay. So that's uh, that that's factored in as well. Uh, it looks like that is the case for three different games. We'll see if I end up pulling the trigger on it. Uh, just to take, I guess, a, a quick look back because it it just felt so great on the very very first bowl game of the entire postseason to hear it. Buffalo minus six and a half. Never a doubt. Uh, Bad matchup for Charlotte, and I think that that definitely showed out. Again, we've still got some more games out there. Tom, you're still looking at... uh, We are both in lock agreement looking for a Tom Chip lock agreement comeback it's 0-2 so far in the bowl season, are under 68. In uh, Utah State, Kent State did not hit. SMU minus no. 3 did not hit. We're no. waiting on BYU. I feel a little bit better about that one, though. Yeah, but I felt good about the other two as well, so <laughs> we'll, we'll see. Uh, Barton has, in addition to the Buffalo minus 6.5, he's got Washington minus 3. That was a win for Coach Pete. Uh, Utah State minus six and a half. That's a loss. You're still waiting on Louisiana Tech plus six, which, uh, according to all of his sources, you know, fade in Louis- fade in Miami, right? Yeah, yeah, fade in Miami. <laughs> Any more ghost coaches we can play? Ghost coaches are. I, I ghost coach season is. I feel like a strong play. 
We've got Lane Kiffin burns you guys as a ghost coach. Um, to be fair, Eli Drinkwitz, his crew did not take care of business as a ghost coach, but uh, I don't they think won. We have any go- I don't think we have any ghost coaches this week. Did they? They won. I think. No, no. UAB, didn't UAB win? No. no. Oh, UAB. Oh, App State came back. They were slow. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They almost covered. Yeah, almost covered. Oh, they did. Okay, so Ghost Coach almost did win. Yeah, it was, I guess, what, 33-17? They were 16-point favorites and won by two touchdowns. Um, it was 31-17, yeah. But they, they fell down 14 to nothing, and it was like, there's no way in the world they're going to cover. But then, yeah, at the end of three quarters, all of a sudden, it was 31-14. to 14. Yeah, oh, okay. Tom, that. Thomas and Darrington Evans got a little bit loose. Uh, I've got UCF minus. We're recording this edition of the Locks on uh, Monday, the twenty third, and in a few hours, the Bad Boy Mowers Gasparilla Bowl will be getting underway in Tampa. Uh, I've got UCF minus seventeen, just a big old number. Uh, I I don't know what I was thinking there. Much more confident in my Eastern Michigan plus eleven, uh, but all of that will go on to show one, gentlemen. Bowl Locks Volume 2. You guys ready to lock it up? Yep. We're picking locks. My blue plate special five-star locks are coming. Since 2005, when Service Academy's locked. Look at these locks. Five-star master lock. Lock it up. The under is 33.91. We've gone over it a million times. You want these locks? I'm, I'm, I'm living and dying every, every point, every cover. Now, in the interest of the listener, I, I liked the suggestion. I believe, uh, Barton, you, you steered us this way last time. We, we will go in uh, some chronological order so that no matter when you're getting this, you'll be able to quickly identify where you need to be in, in terms of getting the, the locks that you want and the locks that you need. So we will open up the floor with December 27th, the noon kickoff. It's a military bowl, North Carolina and temple, North Carolina, four and a half point favorite over under at 53. Anybody got to play on the owls or the tar heels. I do. Ooh. What is it? Give me temple plus four and a half. (laughs) All right. I'm interested. I'm interested in hearing like, not because I have any doubt or, uh, or, or I'm, I'm on the other side. I just looked at this game because it was the first one on the slate, and so I did a lot of digging and just threw my hands up and said, I don't know. So I, I <laughs> That wasn't a productive use here. of time, Barton. You got caught. <laughs> <It was not. laughs> uh, I mean, it's one, it's North Carolina's propensity for just playing in close games. But two, it's, you know, it's Temple. Old, reliable Temple. You, you guys ready for some trends here? Yeah. Since 2010, so this is the entire decade, Temple is 78 and 48 against the spread. That is 61.9%. But furthermore, as an underdog, Temple is 39 and 20 against the spread. So two thirds of the time they have covered. So I look at this matchup, I see a, a North Carolina team that, you know, obviously I think it has the advantage at quarterback, but I also see a team that is just, it's it's somebody that has kind of played to its opponent all season long, and I think we're going to see a similar situation here with Temple where this is going to be a close game, and it's going to come down to some plays late in the fourth quarter, and maybe North Carolina gets a touchdown to cover by seven, but I think more often than not, even when North Carolina wins, it's winning by three, it's winning by four, or sometimes Temple's just winning outright. So if I can get four and a half points with the Owls, that that's the direction I'm going. 
So just sort of a play temple at all costs kind of principle. I like that. Temple as yeah. a dog feels anecdotally like it. They're they're going to turn every game into something that uh, that that is going to you're going to have to really want to win. Um, here's the problem with this because uh, the one thing that threw me off from staking a firm position either way was actually Rod Carey's bowl record. The man's 0-6. And Ooh. yes, one of them was as an interim coach in the Orange Bowl. So you're you're leading Northern Illinois into the Orange Bowl. I think they played Florida State that year. I, all right, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to hold that against you. But that's, uh, that's two Poinsettia Bowl losses, two Boca Raton Bowl losses, and a Quick Lane Bowl loss. I don't know, at least you know, as we try and factor in coach bowl records into our decision-making for bowl locks, that one has me, uh, has me shying away. I'm, I'm with you, Tom. All North Carolina has done this season is just find ways, whether it's icing its own kicker or just like, you know, some, some strange play clock management. They, they find ways to be able to, you know, keep these games close. But, uh, not not sure what to uh, what to do with that Rod Carey winless in bowl season record. So I'm uh, I will be staying away. Coward. <laughs> yeah, this is this one's a little out of my lane. Uh, not not really sure what to do with this one. So I'm I'm gonna let this one ride as well. Let this one slide rather. The second game on the 27th is Michigan State and Wake Forest. This is the Pinstripe Bowl open air press box. Shout out to all those cold fingers and uh, announcers that I'm sure will be mentioning it frequently on the broadcast. Sparty's a four-point favorite over, under, at 50. And, Barton, do you have a play here? Uh, do you guys have a play? Here? I do. No. What's your play, too? I, I don't have a play, but this is the type of game I would like to play. I'm going to see if you could talk me into this. I'm taking Michigan State with the short number, and it is maybe misdiagnosing what's going on in East Lansing from afar. But when, you know, we're sitting here wondering if some of the disappointments of the season have contributed to, you know, we even just wondered out loud as we were having conversations around the coaching carousel, you know, what is D'Antonio, uh, you know, how's he feeling about this? We've got some off field litigation that might get things a little bit tight, but the, some of the writing from the beat writers covering the team pointed to, a lot of young guys that have sort of matured through the season and how they've had to rely on a lot of freshmen and sophomores. And the the tone of some of that was indicating that Mark D'Antonio and, you know, maybe some members of his staff are, are all pointing this ship into a direction of not having this be the norm, but having this be the drop off year with a build back towards trying to 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 close that gap with Michigan and to close that gap a little bit more with Penn State and, and maybe a little bit with Ohio State as well. So if that's the tenor and if that's the case... Are we buying that spin? I Are we buying that? Are you buying that? I'm buying it enough to take Michigan State minus four when it felt like Wake Forest sputtered at the end of the season. I think Wake Forest played its best football already and um, Wake Forest has won three straight bowl games, I think. So I'm going against that trend. But I I am buying it. I'm I'm buying that Michigan State has found some way to take some nuggets out of this season and uh, and spin things moving forward because and could be misguided. But I really think that in the last couple weeks of the season, especially after Sage Surratt got hurt, 
when we don't, you know, we're, we're trying to keep our eyes on, on the graduation and, and everything else that's going around the, the Wake Forest program. I just think that they, their best football has already come and gone and to expect them against a potentially motivated Michigan state team to expect them to be able to win as an underdog, I think might be a little bit much. Okay. So, and I'm, Look, I uh, I'm not going to play this, and part of it is say Surratt's out, Scotty Washington is banged up, Jamie Newman has been, you know, I guess he's going to play, but he's been a little bit uh, less than 100% towards the tail end of the season as well, and so and they have sort of stumbled to the finish line, but I do trust our boy Dave Clausen more than I trust Mark D'Antonio right now, and I don't know that I'm buying like the oh like this is just the the calm before the storm like this is just like the the Michigan State uprising is coming and this you know I I I'm more inclined to think that we've hit a lull in this Michigan State program that uh, we we might be stuck in for a few years until there's some uh, a change of some sort or a shakeup uh, even if it's within the assistant coaches which just hasn't come and so. I'm not. I don't trust Michigan State here, and I and I think I would pick Wake Forest if if I was forced to. But since I'm not, I'll just I'll just let these two uh, puzzling squads have at it without me. I I mean I'll say this: <clears throat> none of us really consider like Wake Forest to be a defensive juggernaut, correct? Correct. That's right. correct. As Justin Strenaud, its best defender, was knocked out in the beginning of the year, and I don't know the status of uh, Bassey, who's whether he's going to be playing in this game or not, but we'll see. As frustrating as Michigan State can be offensively, this is still a team that when it's playing you know, mediocre-ish to subpar defenses, it, it puts up points. It put up 28 on Tulsa. It put up 51 on Western Michigan. It put up 31 on Northwestern. It put up 40 on Indiana. It put up 34 on Illinois. So, I mean, it's this is a team that when it's facing a defense that it can kind of push around a little more, which is not often the case in the Big Ten lately. But I, I feel like this is a Wake Forest front seven that's not exactly going to, you know, dominate the game. I think that Michigan State's on a bit more even playing field. They've shown that they could score points, and defensively, they're still good. And so, I mean, I don't like anything in this game, but I don't think taking Michigan State is that bad of an idea either. We move to Oklahoma State and Texas A&M. Let's see. What do we think this game is? Which one is this? It is the uh, Texas Bowl, I believe. The Texas Bowl. Academy Sports and Outdoors Texas Bowl. Academy, Sorry, excuse me. Academy Sports and Outdoors, where you can get all of your sports and all of your outdoors. Uh, <laughs> Texas A&M is a seven-point favorite in this game, over-under of 54. Who's got to play? I think I'm going to dive in on this one somewhere. Let, let me, let me, let's talk through this a little bit, guys. All right. A couple things of notes. First of all, A&M is down to what appears to be one scholarship running back. Uh, Isaiah Spiller, true freshman. Had a pretty good year, yeah, but not not a whole lot of run game to speak of here. Um, Texas A&M, I, this feels to me, because Texas A&M, like next year, they're, they're returning like whatever, 20 starters or something. 
many of which I think they're hoping won't even be starting because they'll get passed over by some of the younger generation on this team. This has never been the year for Texas A&M, but next year is always supposed to be the year for Texas A&M. So 2020 could be the cycle that we see Texas A&M come and really become a contender in the West. And, and if they do that, then wouldn't it be because Texas A&M had some Texas versus Georgia sort of performance in a bowl game and – uh, you know, and, and I think that like this game to me strikes me as the opportunity for Texas A&M to send a message to the rest of the country that look at all our young talents. You see what we just did to Oklahoma State, and oh yeah, by the way, they're all coming back. And so I'm I'm. That said, like that seven points is a big number, all right? So I'm I'm leaning Texas A&M. Seven's a big number. I I think, like, I guess my question, if, if Spencer Sanders is playing in this game, I would feel very comfortable just playing the over and being very satisfied here. But with Drew Brown playing in the game, I'd, I'm unsure whether I should take the over or whether Mike Elko's crew is going to be able to shut down Oklahoma State enough offensively to 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 to, to blow up that over and Texas A&M just so I think it's going to be either or maybe both Texas A&M and the over and I'm having a little bit of a hard time figuring out which one so I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to ask for the committee and the syndicates uh, help on this one as as I as I wrestle and talk through this I've got them both. Both of those sides you just mentioned, I've got them on my pad. Texas A&M minus seven and the over 54. I might do that too. So a double lock agreement? No way. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, are you going to come in and, and no. spoil the, the nope. party and say you, you're, you're on the other side of either of those? Nope. I'm not in this game at all. Um... I last year, Jimbo's Texas A&M team whooped up on NC State. Merciless. We were not trying to just win the game. We were trying to make some statements. Jimbo Fisher, to me, seems like the kind of coach that understands that when you can get a little bit of added value for your clout, you know, even if it's even if you know that inherently a closer look might not reveal that it said much about your team, it seems to me that he understands those kind of spots where, all right, we can win this game, but if we win it big and if we make a statement, then that is going to help with recruiting. That's going to you know position, do all these good things to position our program such that we can start to make those steps forward or even just have the image of it taking those steps forward. So using last year as a bit of uh, my, my bit of data to go on for the Jimbo Fisher, Texas A&M bowl experience. And also my thought that, yeah, if Chuba Hubbard is going to play, I, I bet that he's going to at least find the end zone once or twice and that Oklahoma State will be able to get us, what, 20 points? I've, I've kind of got it as a 34-24 a is, uh, is about the kind of game that I've mapped out in my head. And, you know, that can come. Mike Elko can have that team, that defense ready to roll, but, I mean, it's still Chuba Hubbard. 
It's still the Oklahoma State offense. So I'm I'm right there. Both of your inclinations were on my pad, and uh, and now Barton, we've got a we've got a little double lock agreement. Well, and I also think due to A and M's limited depth at running back, I think you could see one of these games where Jimbo Fisher just comes out and they decide they decide up front we're going to throw it 55 times. Big 12 and, game, you know, and yeah, and they just decide this this is hey Kellen, this is this is your time to shine, bro. Um, let, let's go. And so I I could I could absolutely see that. That takes us out to the first of two primetime games on Friday evening. The Holiday Bowl out in San Diego. Iowa, a two-point favorite against Clay Helton and the Southern Cal Trojans. Over under at 52. Who's got to play in this game? I do. Nice. I got it. This, this was my throw-your-hands-up game because I've – I've talked to myself. I didn't didn't really dig in either way on the total, but I've talked myself into both of these uh, sides. So I'm I'm curious to hear where you're going. Well, this is this is a game. This is one of the games I'm most interested in. Honestly, it's just a, a kind of a fun, interesting matchup. So when you look at this point total, I got it at what 52 and a half, I think, somewhere in that range. Um, when you look at USC's schedule, I think that they've hit the over on that number every game but one uh then you hit look at iowa's schedule i think it's hit the under on that total every game so it's very much a contrast in styles it's very much a who dictates things and i think this is going to be close and i probably the smart play is to stay away but this is bowl season and you got nothing else to do and you got to get a little little action here so I am actually going to play the under. Mm. Um, it's under – I got it at 52 and a half, I think. I don't know if I, there's a more favorable number out there or not. I haven't checked this morning. No, 52 and a half is the best you can get. Yeah. Um, and, you know, USC's defense is actually pretty good at defending explosive plays, but they're, they're not very efficient. They, you can drive the field on them. Um, SC's offense is actually more efficient than it is explosive. I know that sounds counterintuitive, but th- the numbers suggest otherwise. And I think that plays into Iowa's hands defensively. With, I mean, I think both of these teams are teams where the offense is going to have long drives and the defense is going to. I don't know if yes, I trust SC's defense to stiffen up in the red zone, but I, I certainly trust um, Iowa's defense not to break. And I just think that the the stylistically, this plays more towards the under than it does the over. I can't see Iowa getting in a shootout here. I see Iowa dictating this game, and I think it'll be close, so the, the, the spread is scary both sides. So I'm going under the 52.5. Tom, you got a play? It. No, I don't have a play for this game. But if if I was, that's probably the direction I'd be going to. I kind of want to take Iowa. I'm not, but that's just uh, is it was a, a conversation I had with a friend where you know long layoff, bowl prep time. You think uh, just it's it's the most armchair basic motivation. What, what do you call it, Barton? Armchair psychologist. 
psychology season. Psychology season. All right, here's psychology season. USC's football players. What you your regular season even ended a week early. Do you do you have any distractions? Do you have anything going on around town or any opportunities to to do things that aren't involved with thinking about the Iowa Hawkeyes? All right. Well, now let's uh, let's let's take things over to uh, the Iowa campus. Those boys got anything to do besides getting ready for USC? Like psychology season, I think that play is Iowa. But uh, I'm too interested in the game to have a firm opinion on it either way. I agree with you. It's it's fascinating for the uh, for a lot of narrative reasons. I will say the Holiday Bowl is typically a crazy, wild, fun shootout type of game. So just you're sweating from, uh, that. From yeah, from just kind of bowl characteristics, this is this might be a little bit of a scary underplay. But hey, go Hawkeyes! Then the nightcap for that Friday night, we've got the Cheese It Bowl. Uh, bet you, I bet I bet you Tom has a play on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Air Force, a three-point favorite against Washington State. The sixty-eight and a half is the total. Tom, why would you think I have a play on this game? This is because it's the type of game where I looked at and I didn't even bother researching. I just said, no idea. These aren't my kind of teams. I don't know what's going to happen. Tom will have a play. Yeah, service academies and bowl games. I do. Taking Wazoo. Ooh, nice. Now, I mean, the this is a dangerous play simply because I have absolutely no idea how interested Wazoo will be in this game. And that's always kind of, you know, that that's the case with any kind of bowl game, honestly. But I feel like if Wazoo shows up and is interested in playing this game, then it would be the favorite. But that's the thing. I don't know if it is interested. And I think that if it falls behind early, it might quit because it's not fun to defend an option. And if you're losing early, you might, you know, it gives you reasons to quit. But I just think that Air Force... For as good as they've been offensively, and the problems that they're going to they're going to bring, I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game, and I, I kind of like the over a little bit too, but I'm not really ready to lock that up. But I just think that Air Force's defense, particularly, they they've been good stopping the run this year, but they're not great against the pass. They it's not so much that they give up a lot of explosive plays; it's just they don't they're not really efficient. Kind of like you were talking about with you know USC. They they give up like Washington State is an offense that's not really looking to make the big play as much as they're just kind of looking to dink and dunk down the field. And I think Air Force is a defense that allows you to do that. So when I look at the matchup, yeah, I am worried about the Falcons running all over Wazoo because Wazoo's you know run defense hasn't exactly been good this year. It's just I do think they're going to be able to score nearly as many points as they want against this Air Force pass defense. I think they're going to be able to move the ball at will. So if Wazoo has any kind of interest in playing this game, I think they'll be able to outscore Air Force or at the very least stick within that three points. So give me Wazoo plus three. Fight, 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 fight. (laughs) Give me Air Force. I am comfortable getting on the other side of a team that Mike Leach even nearly quit on early in this season. I think that the the fabric of uh, of this year's Cougs team is absolutely uh, willing to be questioned, and what we have is a great opportunity 
to come back to uh, one of those just great trends that you can that you can sit out there. You can say, you know what, man? I, since 2010, the service academies are 12 and five against the spread. 12 and five service academies against the spread. It is a blind principle play for for myself during this 2019-2020 bowl season. Uh, and so we will be taking Air Force and the short number. It's a really good Air Force team. I also, if if you want to throw an over on with it, I, I do think that it's going to be the kind of game that plays out that way. But over the course of four quarters, I don't see this Washington State team having the uh, having having the motivation to be able to hang against an armed forces team that I mean against an <laughs> excuse me an Air Force team that I that I do believe to be uh, fired up for this game. So give me the Falcons. Give me the lock fight. I will see you on the battlefield, Tom. Chase Field. You, me, and a box full of cheeses. Does it does it worry you at all that Wazoo is 18 and 12 against the spread as an underdog in the college football playoff era while as a favorite Air Force is only 23 and 25? You don't get many opportunities as a favorite. I've got 48. <laughs> Uh no, it doesn't bother me. I'm, right. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. Right teams, right teams favored. Don't 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 talk yourself into into. Uh, I'm telling you, if Wazoo shows up ready to play, the right team is not favored. If now Wazoo might not show up, that is a legit concern. Yes, if if Washington State's passing game is rolling, it will not stop. The athleticism of Washington State's wide receivers against Air Force's defensive backs are the like the very very glaring uh, weakness. Like this is not um, Achilles' one spot that hasn't been guarded. Like there is the entire like flank of the Warrior is wide open to be attacked. But I do not know if Washington State's going to be able to fire an arrow there. I mean, you guys are. This is this is the beauty of gambling. You guys are both just rolling the dice on whether or not Washington State's guys are bored with Mike Leach's stories right now, <laughs> or whether they're like, like, or whether he's telling some good ones, some good whoppers this week, and they're dialed in and they're like patting each other on the back and saying, "That was a that was a good one this week. Let's go get them." No, that's this is gonna be fun. It'll be a good game. Uh, that brings us into Saturday, December 8th, 28th, the day of the college football playoff semifinals. But the day starts with the Cotton Bowl. It is Memphis against Penn State. Penn State, a seven-point favorite over under at 60 and a half. Our, uh, we're doing internal promotion for Memphis. So our, our interim coach is our new head coach, right? Interim coach is the head coach. OC remains. DC is gone. Uh, so a little bit of turnover, but on the other side, Penn State's OC is gone. Ricky Roddy took the ODU. head coaching job at Old Dominion. Tyler Bowen, uh, I think he's 29, 30 years old. He's calling the plays, uh, the tight ends coach. So t- make of that what you will. I so it's two I new ahead. play callers. Two new play. Uh, two new play callers. Yep. Oh. Mm. No, 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 no. Defensive play caller for Memphis. Oh, Offense, offensive coordinator is still there for Memphis. Okay. Uh, who's got to play? I do. Go ahead. On the under. Total's too high. Too high. What's that? It is at, I can get it at 60 and a half. Come on, man. That's that. No. 
Give me the under. These are, you know, like you mentioned, Penn State, new offensive coordinator, Memphis. I don't know how explosive, you know, this is probably the best defense I think Memphis may have faced this season. I don't know if they're going to be able to do too much against it. You know, like it's not like Penn State's going to shut them out because Memphis's offense is too good, but Norvell's gone. A lot of the the magic is gone in a way because Mike Norvell, I think, you know, the one common theme that when everybody changed on that team and players came in and left and coaches came in and left, Mike Norvell was the constant. And when he's gone, I don't know if Memphis's offense is going to be the same unit that we had seen and if it's going to have the same kind of performance. And I think it's, I don't, I'm not worried about motivation because this is a cotton bowl and they are playing Penn state. So this is a chance for them to make a statement. But on the other side, I think Penn State's defense will be, you know, especially their run defense. I feel like if you could take away Memphis's run game, then you could really slow down that Memphis offense. And I think Penn State is capable of doing that. And I also think offensively, Memphis's defense is still not very good and Penn State's going to get points. It's just I do think they're going to be a little rusty there with a new play caller and kind of that kind of situation. So I look at it all and I see 60 and a half and I say, uh, I think Penn State can win this game like 31 to 27. So that's what, 58? Yeah, that is. I, I, I think that's the right side. I can't get, I, I mean, this is, this is one of those games where when I look at it, I, I think blindly, psychology season, Memphis, Cotton Bowl, Super Bowl, New coach, the guy they wanted, internal hire, everyone's going to play hard for him. But I, st- I have a hard time just seeing how it all works to where you beat Penn State or you keep it close. And so I'm, I'm very, you know, the, I think just psychology season says play Memphis plus the seven, but Penn State I still think is probably a good bit better than Memphis. Um, so – I'm. I, I think your side under sixty and a half of all the plays seems like like the best, and I'm even tempted to play that, but uh, I'm just gonna stay away. I think Penn State's the right side. I think that uh, Memphis's defense is the only thing that threatens the total because Memphis has not played a defense as good as Penn State's all season, right? And what would it be, Temple? maybe the closest probably or Cincinnati you know since Cincinnati's got a pretty good defense but I just think this is such a massive step up in terms of competition Brady White incredibly prolific on paper yet you know uh somewhat unspectacular as you just sit there and and just go through uh I guess what would be like a cut-up session and I, I really think that the Penn State defensive front is going to be uh is going to be very much the most dominant force in this game and then i i think about like journey brown and some of the skill position players if if memphis has some of the defensive breakdowns that it's had at times this season penn state could take advantage so it's not a lock for me but my gut says that uh penn state's the better team they can win this thing by double digits at the same time as the cotton bowl hey, I, I i just had some very very vivid uh, Jake Browning versus Alabama visions. After you started talking about Brady White and this Cotton Bowl, Penn State, I think you're. I think you're right. I think that this is going to be. I think there's going to be some moments where things just 
get a little bit too fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. offense. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not gonna play. You know what? I am gonna play. You talk me into it. I'm going Penn State minus seven. I think you're the right side. Um. All right. That takes us to the Camping World Bowl. We are headed back to Orlando. This is going to be Notre Dame as a four-point favorite against Iowa State over under a 54.5. What kind of Notre Dame team are we getting? Iowa State's been impossible to figure out throughout the entire season. Uh, this, I guess that we're, as a for Notre Dame, is our dominant storyline sending off Ian Book. I think he's a senior, right? No, Ian Book uh, has got another year. Yeah, he's got another year left. Oh, remarkably. Well, uh, well, I guess what's what's our what's our big Notre Dame storyline? No, he's a senior. He's a, I I think he's a red shirt something or other. Wow. Like I think he's got another year. Wow. Uh, okay. So I don't have a play on this game. This is another one that. No wait, no. It says he's a senior on his Notre Dame bio. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know why. I mean, he's. His freshman year was 2016. Yeah, so he's a where senior. He, where he redshirted. Sophomore 2017. Oh, you know what? Notre Dame might do the thing where they list them in, as their actual grade and not their eligibility. Yeah, fre- freshman year redshirt, sophomore year redshirt freshman, ju- 2018 redshirt sophomore, 2019 redshirt junior. Yep. Mm. Uh, what, what, anybody got a play here? I've got no feels. I, I have a play. Um, so I think there, there's one constant that I find with these two teams when I just look at them on the surface. And by the way, just, uh, assistant coach, uh, alerts, offensive coordinator, Chip Long for Notre Dame is gone. Uh, I assume this, I think this is going to be, a a, uh, another sub 30 year olds, Tommy Reese calling plays along with Lance Taylor, the original and, uh, book. That's right. Ian Book before Ian Book. We call him plays for Ian Book. Uh, so that will be, you know, take that for what you want and on the Notre Dame side of things. Um, but one thing I feel like that is constant with these two teams um, is they just seem like both defenses seem like units that keep everything in front of them. Um, they both... I feel, and, and, and I think even when I look at, and when I think about Iowa State and I think about the way it is successful, it's typically when it is getting big plays. Um, that's, that's apologies for not having the, the numbers behind that, but that's what, I, that's what I'm thinking about when I'm envisioning Iowa State. And I think Notre Dame is going to be capable defensively of, of keeping things in front of them, making Iowa State take its time, I think Iowa State can do the same thing to Notre Dame offensively. Um, I think Notre Dame. I think both of these teams are 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 going to try to put together a game plan in which uh, points don't matter, but the win matters. And and, and so because of that, I, I'm not really confident on who's going to win this game. But I do think this is another one that stays under the number. Apologies. I try to pride myself as being an over guy. I'm playing a lot of unders here, but uh, I got. I'm going to go under 54 and a half, um, and just I think this is going to be a little bit of a of a sludge fest relative to uh, kind of what we've seen at times this year with Notre Dame. 
Tom, you got to play? I don't like anything in this game. <laughs> we've been, uh, Tom, we've been working at CBS long enough to see Tommy Reese as a freshman forced into action for Dane Christ and now as an offensive coordinator in a bowl game. Wow. It's the full Tommy Reese experience. I mean, wow. <laughs> uh, all right. Coming up on the other side, we will break down, offer locks, and make picks for the college football playoff semifinals. Next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the action gets started for the college football playoff semifinals. The 4 p.m. kickoff from Atlanta. It's the Peach Bowl. Oklahoma, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite against... Oh, excuse me, LSU, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite against... Breaking news. Oklahoma, uh, the over-under at 76. Let, before we... I mean, we could throw your pick out if you if you want to race to be the first person to, uh, to, to lay it out there on the table. But as, as we're approaching the game from sort of imagining how this is going to go, where are the key factors? I guess, Tom, you first, you know, what what starts to jump out to you from the matchup that you start to follow when trying to predict how it's going to turn out? Does Jalen Hurts turn the ball over? Because I feel like if Oklahoma takes care of the ball, they can make more of a game of this than most people are probably giving them credit for. But if Jalen Hurts is loose with the ball like he has been this year and oh, for most of his career, then... It could be blowouty because I don't see, especially with, you know, like the Ronnie Perkins not being available and then what the safety's name, the Delaren, what's his last name? Uh, Turner Yellen. There we go. With him being out, I feel like that is very, I, I feel like that's a bigger blow to their second, their defense than Perkins being out because I think that, you know, Perkins is great, but I feel like you're secondary, somewhat important against LSU because I don't know how much of a pass rush anybody's ever getting on this LSU offense anyway, seeing as how quickly Joe Burrow gets the ball out. So I think that's a major problem, and I don't see Oklahoma's defense getting many stops in this game. It's probably going to have to force turnover. So, if Jalen Hurts isn't taking care of the ball, I feel like the Sooners are in a lot of trouble. Trouble. Man, total on this is seventy six, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Um, seventy six. So the o- for the over to hit, you got to have at least one team in the forties, maybe both. Um. Yeah. Whew. So. Uh, we're, all right, Chip, what do you got? I got Oklahoma. And it's it's probably a, it feels like I'm starting from a contrarian position. And then when it comes to the news that's come out, I think that the potential absence of Clyde Edwards Alaire is significant, especially for how important he is in a game where, you know, we might they they might have a, a lead the entire game. LSU scores on a lot of its opening drives 
and I bet they would probably do it again against Oklahoma. So LSU might never trail in this game, but I do think that Jalen Hurts and particularly just the the Oklahoma rushing attack in general might be able to uh, hang in this game. And I think that for LSU, putting the game away usually means that they've gotten some first downs from Clyde Edwards-Alaire on tough third downs. Like the the dump the dump off pass on a third and long that he then makes a move in the open field gets to the sticks he's just provided so many of those throughout LSU season that if if i am going to look for some angles that will support what i believe is a little bit of a contrarian opinion then you know that that's certainly one of them i, I think that you, you go to the two freshmen that are backing them up, and they're, they're very talented. And I, I think that Joe Burrow is still going to be able to score some points. I I would be doing a principal under in this game if not for just the way that – the ease with which LSU moves that ball up and down the field and the fact that you know their mentality when they get a lead is to stay aggressive and to sort of keep the pedal down. I – I think that with an Oklahoma plus, uh, I guess I'm getting this at what 13 and a half. I'm I'm pretty much looking for a backdoor probably, but that's a position I'm willing to take because it was exactly what we saw in the Orange Bowl last year. So I'm going and look, Kyler Murray can score faster than Jalen Hurts can score, but the mentality is the same: is that when we are deciding a a college football playoff semifinal. And Oklahoma's offense, as even as you're watching it, it seems as though it's not as overwhelming as some of the previous editions of it. The fact that it's still got a you know yards per play average that ranks right up with some of the last two Oklahoma teams, I just I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that. I'm gonna take the underdog and uh, I'm gonna hope that that back door stays open because it's very very possible. As Tom mentioned, if Jalen Hurts is loose with this ball then uh, LSU my, LSU might be up 31 to 10 at halftime in this game. And get, getting through that back door is going to be very, very nerve-wracking, but that is my strongest position in the game. So Boomer Sooners plus 13 and a half. Yeah, I'm not locking it up, but I'm, I'm with you for much of the same reasons. Because, I mean, if going back, you even mentioned last year's Orange Bowl. Alabama completely jumped out the gate blitzed Oklahoma right from the start, had a, had that big lead, and then Oklahoma settled in. And Alabama's defense, really, once Oklahoma's offense got going, Alabama's defense couldn't stop it. And I feel like we could see a similar situation here where I'm not sure LSU's defense is capable enough of, st- of stopping Oklahoma often enough to keep it from covering that spread. Because even after Alabama jumped out to that huge lead, it's still allowed 34 points, and it's still only beat them by 11. And I feel like this could be a very similar game to what we saw in the Orange Bowl last year. So if I'm if I'm getting two touchdowns with Oklahoma, I'm going to take it. But I'm not locking it up because, like I started with you, I'm, I'm very concerned about Jalen Hurts and turnovers. Yeah, play the happy children, Chip. Oh, nice. Gotta love it. <laughs> oh, those children are so happy. I love those children. Um <laughs> I, I am uh, in agreement with a lot of what you said. Like I just think when you when the the common narrative, the common conversation around this game is very dismissive right now of Oklahoma. Yeah, it's very much of whoa, like 
Ohio State's got a tough game with Clemson, or Clemson's got a tough game with Ohio State. Man, they're going to be facing LS, a fresh LSU who's just who only has to play Oklahoma. I, so I was going to be like, wait, what are we talking about here? Oklahoma is. I, I expect LSU to win. I think my most recent official pick to win the national championship is still LSU. I, I, though Clemson has been very. I mean, like whatever. It could be any of the three. I don't think Oklahoma wins the national title, but I do think Oklahoma in this game is is no cakewalk. Like this is no given. This is still an Oklahoma team. I think offensively, like let me just check the numbers here real quick. Like uh, total offense, where are they? Points, yards per play. Oklahoma's one. I mean, Oklahoma is averaging eight point one five yards per play. LSU is averaging seven point seven nine. So let, let's. Let's not dismiss this Oklahoma team. I think last year, in its in the, the Orange Bowl, Chip and you and I were there. Like we saw Alabama jump out. We saw the way Oklahoma clawed back. And and the reality is, it's all about keep taking care of the football with Oklahoma. Because if Oklahoma does take care of the football, then it, it's the defense is 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 markedly, dramatically almost better than last year's defense. It just is. And so that's been a that's been something that has been overlooked because they've still played in close games because the turnovers have put their defense in tough spots. And so, and when I look at some of these suspensions with Ramondre Stevenson and Ronnie Perkins, and um, those are not insignificant. But like you mentioned, I think the the most significant player that is suddenly in doubt about this game is Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and and how important he's been as a. Swiss Army knife for this LSU offense. So look, I, I think LSU wins this game, but I think this is a game that further, you know, uh, inspires like the the like the, the college football playoff. Four people are going to be patting themselves on the back, saying, "Man, look at these two games we we pieced together for you guys." Oklahoma was every bit as deserving as, as we hope they would be. This was a great game. Um, I just don't see Oklahoma going out without a fight, not with Lincoln Riley putting together the game plan. So give me Oklahoma plus the 13 and a half. Also, for whatever it's worth, I, I, the hilarious injury, because Oklahoma's defense, while it's greatly improved, and again, missing its starting safety, missing Perkins is significant. But overall, as far as allowing explosive plays, they've actually been pretty good not allowing explosive passes. Granted, this is the most dynamic passing attack they'll have <laughs> right. faced all year, which is kind of odd seeing how the Big 12 teams like, well, they haven't seen a passing attack like these SEC boys have. But it's the truth. And where they've really struggled defensively is giving up big g- gains in the run game. So if Hilaire's not playing, that kind of plays to their benefit in a way, too. So, yeah, I, I think... I think what you're saying is right. I think Oklahoma has been so overlooked just simply because we've all known who the three teams were going to be as long as they didn't lose. And even if they did lose it, it just kind of felt like that fourth team became an afterthought. But it's like, yeah, no, they're really good. Yeah, <laughs> it's also, this is also like a heavy public play right now. Like, it looks like, uh, what am I, where am I seeing this? Uh, 78%. On LSU right now, I got I mean, seventy-one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that for a nearly two touchdown favorite in a college football playoff game for a team in Oklahoma that's been there regularly last two years. I mean, 
this is not they're not a I mean, I just I think Oklahoma's being undersold. Right. Yeah, this is this is a championship caliber program showing up in a spot that they're very comfortable. Don't 13 and a half. Hey, listen, and LSU might cover that 13 and a half, but I don't think it's going to be easy. I, I, I don't think so. So give me uh, the Sooners as well. Excited about that. We go out to Glendale, Arizona for uh, the, that game we just mentioned. It's Ohio State against Clemson. The Tigers are short favorites, two, two and a half points. Our over-under is around 63, 63 and a half. Uh, who wants first crack at it? Barton, how about you? Nah, brah. Nah, I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know on this one. This oh, is, I, I mean, the, the line's two and a half. Like, I guess if I were to have to play this game, I guess I'd play Ohio State plus two and a half because they're getting points. Like, I'll take the team that is, is getting points in this one because I just think either team could win. I think it could go any number of ways. Like, I guess my hunch would be a high-scoring game as opposed to a low-scoring game, but the total is pointing to that. It's 63.5. So um, I, I'm, I just – this is going to be maybe – as this might be as good of a – I, I mean, that Georgia-Oklahoma game was awesome a few years ago, but this is, could be as good of a you know semifinal game as we've seen in terms of the quality of play from two teams. I, I'm, I can't touch it. I've got two plays. Wow. I've I've got a play. Uh, are should we I go, are, should I go first and we, see how you feel? Are or? we are we jumping on the opposite sides and loading up with our championship picks, Tom? I don't know. No. Right. I'm I'm not I'm not taking a side of the spread. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh all right, you go ahead. I'm taking the under 63 and a half. Because mm-hmm. These are two great offenses with the two best defenses in the country. Yes. And I think that we see a lot in these kind of situations that, you know, when you get elite offenses against elite defenses, the offenses tend to get the better side of it. But as Barton was talking about, this this total's kind of high and this total kind of plays to that. Like, I thought this would be more in the 59 to 60 range. So when it was at 63 to open and it's since gone up to 63 and a half, I've just, it's, yeah. And it's gone up, mind you, but there's been more money on the under than there has been on the, on the over. So that's something to keep in mind. But it's just also, if you look at trends for Clemson, the under, first of all, they've been in, We've they've been in enough college football playoffs that we could actually find trends, and their last four semis unders four now. Yeah, the under six and two the last time Clemson's been a favorite, and if you look the last time now maybe this doesn't count, but coming off a bye in the college football playoff era, and I, I would consider this a bye, a very long bye, but a bye nonetheless. The under is seven and two when Clemson is coming off a bye, and for. Ohio State in its bowl games in the college football playoff era, the under is four and two at neutral sites. It's seven and five. So I think that when I look at all this, 63 and a half points, that's nine touchdowns. That's that gives me a lot of leeway where this game could be fun. This game could be exciting. This game could be high scoring and still finish below the total. So so give me the under lock it up. This is the Brent Venables has not done anything 
but just draw up stuff and then rip it out and start over again over and over and over again for a month. Like this is the Brent Venables reminds you why he leads one of the best defenses in the country and why he's one of the best defensive coordinators around right now, because I get the feeling that he is excited about figuring out different ways to try and stop all the different things that Ryan Day's offense does. I, th- I think that that matchup, Ohio State's offense versus Clemson's defense is going to be really, really important. We're going to be looking at Chase Young and, and you know Trevor Lawrence, but I think Clemson would rather play defense and run Travis Etienne. Like it, if they could have it their way, this would be a game where Clemson feels like it is the better team uh, just just trying to plug away at this thing. And you go back to some of the other games that Clemson has played in these kind of spots, and that's where the under keeps hitting, as Tom mentioned in the trends, just sort of lean on its defense. And I have gotten a lot of... Uh, I've, I've caught a lot of shots for this, but as, as as prolific as Justin Fields can be, I think that he's also got a turnover or two in him against this Clemson defense. And I think that when it comes to trying to confuse him and trying to throw some looks at him that he's not going to be ready for, I think that Clemson's defense from a coaching and personnel standpoint have the ability to do it. We're going to talk about Chase Young, but I think this game could be uh, one of those moments where we remember how elite Isaiah Simmons has become throughout his college career. Like I just imagine that uh, the the situation that I think Barton played out several podcasts ago where, yeah, it's like Justin Fields, he's reading, he's looking. Isaiah, he looks to his right, looks like Isaiah Simmons is like 10 yards away, figures that he's got at least another second or two, looks to his left, and now Isaiah Simmons has him into the ground. So I'm, I'm going, my other play on this is Clemson minus two. So I'm locking up Clemson minus two. I'm locking up the under. And a big part of both of those plays is the idea that Clemson's defense is going to win the battle against Ohio State's offense. Yeah, see, that's the other thing, too. As far as it comes to the spread, I, I think this is going to be a really close game, and I lean towards Clemson on the spread, but I also, my concern is that, as far as Ohio State is concerned, is that they're either going to win close, lose close, or get blown out, like we wow, saw you could, the Bowl a couple years ago. You could see Ohio State getting blown out here? Yeah. That's hard for, I'm hard, it's hard for me to get there. I, I just think that, I don't think it's the, a likely outcome. I feel like the two major outcomes are close Clemson win, close Ohio State win. But I feel like Clemson blowing out Ohio State is a lot more likely than Ohio State blowing out Clemson simply because we don't know what Clemson's ceiling is yet because Clemson hasn't had a but, chance to show us. But I, I would, I could argue the opposite. And I, I look again. I have, I have waffled between LSU and Clemson as win the national championship. I, I think Clemson could very well be the best team in the country. Um, I, but I think if, if of all the scenarios, I think Clemson getting blown out might even, more, even be more likely than Ohio State getting blown out because all due respect, Dabo, but Clemson hasn't really played anybody, and they are killing teams, but maybe, just maybe, some of the personnel deficiencies at linebacker safety, excluding Isaiah Simmons, 
could perhaps or, or or just even like the the drop off on defensive line from last year like some of those things could be exposed in a way the ACC hasn't had a chance to expose them and no one can expose them except for maybe the top two or three teams in the country and so I, I have a hard time seeing Ohio State in a scenario where you know Jeffrey Akuda and Damon Arnett and Chase Young are getting picked on you know like and I, I, so that's harder for me to visualize than it is saying wow you know Clemson in their overhang defenders and their safeties can't really keep up with KJ Hill like that that to me or um, you know I think that is a more a scenario I could envision easier and I'm not expecting anyone to get blown out like I said but uh, the Ohio State one is, is tough for me to envision. So do you have a play? I don't have a play. I told you. I'm, I'm, I'm staying away. Just excited I back about it. I, I mean, Clemson's, Clemson's is, is laying the points. And so because of that, like I kind of think maybe the value is on Ohio State just because I think these teams are so close and evenly matched. But again, I think there's a reason Clemson's laying the points because Clemson, I think, is probably playing better than anyone in college football right now. If Clemson can get uh, four yards per carry or five yards per carry with Travis Etienne, ball game's over. Ohio State's got to be ready to stuff that run, or else this is uh, they like Clemson. Clemson, uh, I could see a Clemson blowout win, but a Clemson blowout win to me doesn't doesn't maybe have the scoreboard shock factor of a blowout win. I could see Clemson putting the clamps on Ohio State and winning twenty four to three or twenty four to nine or something like that. Where they just did they get the lead? They never look back. But we'll see. I mean, it is it is the number one game in Tom Fernelli's uh, very scientific and definitive bowl rankings for a reason. <laughs> we are all excited about it. Uh, all right, last day of games that we're tackling here. Hey Tom, where'd you have Utah State and uh, Kent State in your bowl rankings? Uh, I can't remember off the top, but I could look it up real quick. That's all right, man. It was just a good Friday, and you know, I think I needed to get give them a little tip of the cap. It was a good game for sure. Oh, yeah, because now you've got to start working on your bowl rankings for the review. Your postmortem? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, so it's I'm, I'm keeping track of that. I'm keep, don't worry. Good. All right. uh, the Serve Pro First Responder Bowl at uh, Gerald Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Western Kentucky, three-and-a-half-point favorite against Western Michigan, over-under of 53-and-a-half. Anybody got to play? I do. <laughs> I take it. First of all, the Frisco Bowl was ranked 36th in the pre-bowl rankings because uh, it did not expect Kent State to come up playing like that. But as for this game, Western Michigan plus three and a half. I am... I don't know how this ended up this way, but I've been on an anti-WKU kick pretty much all year long. <laughs> and I'm not changing that up. I mean, I just think that this is a close game. I think three and a half points is too much. I don't think either team, it's kind of like you were talking about with Clemson and Ohio State, Barton. I don't think either one of these teams is significantly better than the other one. And I look at this Western Kentucky team, which is very much awful on offense and kind of okay on defense, whereas Western Michigan is actually kind of explosive on offense and not as good as Western Kentucky on defense. So it's it kind of balances out. But then just trends. Western Kentucky, as a favorite, the last 18 times the Hilltoppers have been favored, 5-13 and 13 against the spread. So 
Give me the Broncos plus three and a half. Big, big, big year for the Mac in bowl season. They, Mac is back. Yeah, they Mac's are back. reversing uh, the trend. Impressive. It was not profitable to be on the fade side of the Mac early on so far in the bowl season. So uh, good to the Mid-American Conference. They're starting to reverse those trends. Uh, any play for you, Barton? First responder? Nah. nah. Yeah, I'm going to give uh, that one a big old <laughs> no play here. Shout out Tyson Helton, though. I was I was wrong about that hire. I figured that was not going to be work out well. And Man, great job. You're one. Eight and four, going for nine wins for the Hilltoppers. Now we go to the Barton Simmons Bowl, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, Nissan Stadium, Nashville, Tennessee. You can see, uh, you'll be able to see Barton wearing a house divided shirt, half Louisville, half Mississippi State, running back and forth to each sideline, depending on who's on offense. Thanks to the propensity for these two teams going over. And that's why one of my two plays in this game is going to be on the over 63 and a half because the Mississippi State well, we have detailed many, many times on this uh, podcast. And now while I'm not, I think all of our suspensions have been served, I think given uh, the way yeah. that that, no, they have yeah. not. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. I think given the way that that defense has uh, never really been able to establish a rhythm or any kind of consistency, I'm going to keep the alarm light on. And Louisville has been one of the best over teams in the entire country going over the total on an average of 9.8 points per game on the season. So, uh, yeah, give me the Louisville-Mississippi State over 63.5. That's 10 touchdowns I'm going to need. That's a whole lot of scores. But I think these two teams are going to have it. Uh, I also have a, a play on the side, but I'll let y'all jump in if you would like. I, I like that over very much. I think you're. Um, I'm not playing the over. I'm not sure what exactly specifically scared me off. Maybe it's just the idea that Mississippi State is fully operational on defense now and have had some time to prepare. But I, I do think that Louisville offense is pretty tough to handle. Uh, and I think Scott Satterfield will have a pretty pretty good game plan. So I'm not playing the under, and I think the uh, on, on the side of the total over is the way to go uh, because we all know how good that, that well water is in Starkville, even when you're transporting it up to Nashville. But I do have a play on the side. I have a and, play on the total. Okay, go ahead. Fight. Yes. Oh. Fight. 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 Fight, fight. Yeah, that well's been tainted, buddies. <laughs> Not the first time. <laughs> Do you know what the Mississippi State's last seven games, the under is five and two? Mm. The overwell ain't exactly been paying off lately. And uh, on Louisville's side, yes, the, the over has been good for the Cardinals this year. But the under is five and zero oh in Louisville's last five bowl games as well as six two and one in louisville's last nine neutral site games but more than that i just look at this as a total that's a little too high i mean mississippi state's defense yes they had the suspensions all year but everybody's back everybody's playing and even with those suspensions the defense wasn't exactly bad it, it, was, it was pretty chaotic it was somewhat average it, it, it was leaky in pass defense but that's not really something that i think louisville is that great at 
taking advantage of in this matchup. And I just think that this is it's good. It's not like this is going to be a 24 to 17 game or anything like the total is at 63 and a half for a reason. I just think that that is a little little bit too high. I think this is a 60 pointer, not a 63 and a half pointer. So I'm getting three and a half points of value here. Mm. All right. All right. Um, well, I got to play on the side. And I'm going Mississippi State. Uh, I think that, you know, Kylan Hill is going to the NFL, but he is playing in the game. I, this has a little bit of a feel of – because Mississippi State is really good up front on the offensive line. They're really physical. Uh, Louisville has struggled with these physical, run-heavy teams. Uh, this, this, to me, has a little bit of a feel of Louisville going into this game and getting punched in the mouth. And I don't know how many teams in the ACC are punching them in the mouth the way – even a, a me- mediocre SEC West team is, and I'm not saying that Mississippi State is with isn't without its own flaws, but I think st- the style of play that it's going to bring to this game is going to be enough to to give it, it the edge. I think they're going to be able to run the ball really effectively, uh, and I think they'll be able to score points. <clears throat> and I think I do think. That Mississippi State, because of some of the things I t- talked about, uh, and you know, like I think back of that to, to Tom's point, I think back of the Egg Bowl, and those look like two good teams with with two good offenses, and final score was twenty one to twenty, um, and so I think Mississippi State is going to do enough to slow down Louisville, and I think they're going to punch him in the mouth a few times on offense, and uh, we're going to look up, and Mississippi State will have won by ten or eleven points. Fight. Fight, 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 fight. I got him wow. coming from my left. I got him coming from my right. <laughs> Fighting everyone in the room during the Music City Bowl. I mean, fine. But line up on the other side of Scott Satterfield and his undefeated bowl record. Never lost. No, so I, that is a... This this is um, a a pick with Scott Satterfield and the coaching staff, and getting this team ready for uh, a bowl game. That that is sort of where the investment lies. I'm willing to acknowledge that if the Kentucky game breaks out again with and you know stopping Kylan Hill, uh, you know different challenge, but we're still talking about a, a really really dynamic skill position player who's going to be moving the ball on the ground. If they didn't learn their lessons from what Lynn Bowden did to them in the the final game of the season, then this game will repeat in the exact same sort of muscle memory. And and that Kentucky game, to your point, was getting punched in the mouth, and Louisville didn't have a really great response there. Uh, or maybe Louisville uh, scored first in that game, but to to have one player and one sort of thing wear you down like that. Louisville's been beat up a little bit by some dual threat quarterbacks. Yeah, there's there is certainly a glaring weakness, but I believe that this Cardinals team can also score. As I mentioned, I'm I'm taking the over in this. I do think this game is going to get a little loose. I think this game is going to have a little bit of a shootout type feel. And in that case, if I've got a uh, what I believe to be a coaching advantage from a bowl uh, preparation and a bowl execution standpoint, and that coach is a 
four-point underdog, and I think the game's going to be back and forth, let's go. Go Cards. Uh, give me Louisville plus four. Look, I, I I have a lot of confidence in Scott Satterfield's staff and uh, and the coaching game plan he can put together too. But in citing that undefeated bowl record, Scott Satterfield has picked up the head ball coach headsets three times in bowl games. Camellia, Camellia, Dollar General. Every one of those times he picked up the headset, he looked across the sideline and he saw a MAC team. All right, Mississippi State ain't a MAC team, so I I think that uh, this is a, a a little different challenge for a team that won three games last year. Mississippi State ain't a MAC team needs to be on a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll start printing them tomorrow. Uh, all right, that takes us out to the Red Box Bowl, Levi Stadium, Santa Clara, California, Cal and Illinois. Tom, what are we doing? Come on. Illinois plus six and a half. Yeah. Cal, you're trying to tell me Cal is a touchdown better than Illinois. Cal ain't even got an offensive coordinator, Cal. Cal's offense can't score points, Cal. That team is a touchdown better than Illinois. Come on, man. No. Illinois. Are you going to make a play on the total, too? Because 43, that's real high for a Cal game. Uh, no, I'm not going to make a play on the total. I'm just because Illinois is going to win outright. So why even worry about the total? I don't care because Illinois might score 50 in this game. Who knows? Illinois six and one against the spread in their last seven, five and oh against the spread. Their last five is a dog six and two. Their last eight neutral site games. Cal one and six. Their last seven neutral site games. Cal one and four. Their last five non-conference games. Cal one and four. Their last five bowl games. Illinois. Sprinkle it on the money line, kids, but take the points, too. Woo! Barton? Uh, play the children. Play the children. There we go. Tearing up. <laughs> I have no breakdown. I Now, look, Chase Garbers is playing, if I'm not mistaken, and, and Cal's better offensively with Chase Garbers in at quarterback. And so that's that's a positive, but I just look at like what are we doing here? Cal's a, a touchdown favorite over Illinois. I mean, these are the same teams. So if you're telling me that a mirror image of each other is is, is going to play, and you're going to give one team a touchdown head start, like I'll take the team that's getting a touchdown head start. Give me Illinois plus six and a half. Um, this this could. This could be an Illinois blowout as, as easy as it could be a Cal blowout. I think it won't be either. I think it'll be a close game that's one like, you know, like like 16 to 12 or something, and uh, it won't matter. Well, Cal was part of the 7 to 6 Cheez-It Bowl last year. So, I mean, this, <laughs> yes. this, this is a scarring uh, type situation. So, good luck to the, uh, the lock agreement between Tom and Barton. And the Illinois and the Fighting Illini as they uh, look to get it done for Tom Fernelli on the money line as well. All right, then our final game of Monday night is going to be Florida and Virginia played in Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. It's the Orange Bowl. The Gators are now fourteen and a half or fifteen point favorites, over under of fifty four and a half. Anybody got to play? I have got to play. All right, what you got? Uh, so first of all, let's see. I see 
I'm playing Florida. Mm-hmm. I see MGM's got it at 14, but when is it? We're, this is going to be posted today or a couple days from our current recording? It might be posted Tuesday, but probably later well, either, today. Yeah. E- either way, look, if you're people, most people when they're listening to this, the line will have gone up well beyond 14 points. And so. Where you we'll put, a ca- put a cap on your advice. Where, 14, at what no, line? No, I, no, my point is I'm not even going to take the 14 because that number probably won't be there. I'm going to take the 14 and a half. Uh, and look, if you, can, if you can buy the hook down to 14, then I guess go for it. But I, just don't, I, I don't think this is going to be close. I think this is going to be another one of these. Like This, this has a little bit of um, not quite Auburn-Purdue last year, but It'll, it'll it'll creep towards that. It'll be a team that is entirely outmatched from an athleticism standpoint. Um, and I think and look, Florida's Jabari Jabari Zaniga's back. Jonathan Grenard is going to the NFL, but he's playing like these guys seem like they're excited to play. Kyle Trask coming back next year. This is a, an opportunity to build uh, to, to to sort of get a little bit of a running start into next season. Dan Mullen has been really good in bowl games. Uh, I just think this is a team that is much more talented than Virginia, a Virginia team that is very one-dimensional, um, not even one-dimensional, one, like, one, like, it's a one-man team as much as it is <laughs> yes. one dimension. And so I, I, don't, I don't see how Flo- Virginia is going to score very many points, and I think that Florida is – I think it's going to be blowout. So, give me Florida. Tom? Chip, you got anything? Nah. Lock agreement. Oh, wow. Love it. Tom was Tom was sitting there hoping for Queen Latifah. Yeah. Chip didn't Chip, Chip let us down. Well. But yeah, I mean same reason I took Clemson in the ACC title game first half, although I'm not going to do that here. But I just – this is a bad Virginia offensive line against a very good Florida front seven, and it will be Bryce Perkins on 11. And I love Bryce Perkins, but I don't think he's going to be able to do enough against this Florida defense to keep the Cavs in it. And I think that maybe even if they keep it close in the first half, Florida's just – got too much for the who's and they're, they're going to pull away in the second half. The only fear as always is Florida shows up. Not really caring. Get, I mean, Bronco, I know you listen to the cover three podcast. You need to just like run the wishbone for this game, you know, or just, just bring in extra offensive linemen for every single play. Or maybe the refs should allow uh, Virginia to have 12 men on the field. If it's an extra tackle, because, uh, Bryce Perkins ain't going to make it through this game. If my, my lean honestly is on the under because the idea would be maybe if Florida's offense is a little bit out of sync or, you know, you could factor motivation into that, that there's just a, a chance that this becomes a little bit of a clunker, but even in, in the clunker standpoint, I mean, this could be a 31 to 10 or 31 nine type blowout that where we still clear the over under by about 14 points. But Ah, uh, yeah. This is this is no strong feels one way or the other. So, um, so I'm gonna sit on the sideline and uh, and I will, I will look forward to seeing how uh how the Tom Barton lock agreement is looking by the end of uh, Bowls Volume Two. To review everybody's card, Tom's card, 
Temple plus four and a half against North Carolina. The under 60 and a half with Penn State Memphis. A lock fight. Washington State plus three against Air Force. A lock fight. The under 63 and a half in Mississippi State Louisville. The under 63 and a half in Ohio State Clemson. Western Michigan plus three and a half. Then Illinois plus six and a half. And Florida minus 14 and a half. Both lock agreements with Barton. Barton getting off to start with the Texas A&M minus seven and the over 53 and a half in that Texas A&M Oklahoma State game, the under 52 and a half in Iowa USC, Penn State minus seven against Memphis, the under 54 and a half in Iowa State Notre Dame, Oklahoma plus 13 and a half against LSU in the Peach Bowl, Mississippi State minus three and a half in the Music City Bowl against Louisville, then Illinois and Florida, the lock agreements with Tom. Uh, my card, Texas A&M and the over in that Texas A&M game, uh, then Air Force minus three is a lock fight with Tom, and then the over 63 and a half is a lock fight with Tom, then the under 63 and a half is a lock agreement with Tom as we uh, as we look at that Um <laughs> That Ohio State Clemson Fiesta Bowl. I'm also on Clemson minus two and a half. I'm on Michigan State minus three and a half, and I've got a lock fight in the Music City Bowl. I am on Louisville, and uh, Barton's on Mississippi State. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Do I do I get a four out there? Uh, for what Mississippi State Louisville? Yeah. Uh, let me see. Uh, um, yeah, 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 yeah. You can get a four. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's there's some fours out there. I'm looking for a high scoring shootout. There's more fours than three and a half, honestly. That's true. Make sure that you follow him on Twitter at Barton Simmons. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, the next couple weeks, we are going to be opening up that mailbag. So here's what you need to do uh, you need to head on over to uh, the Cover Three podcast. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. Tell us what you like about the show. And also include a question for the mailbag. And that will be answered in a mailbag episode here as we close out December, move into January. Uh, A lot of getting back in touch with y'all, the loyal listeners. We love to hear what you got. You got thought-provoking questions about college football and about other things like, you know, a lot of desert island scenarios. I mean, you come up, whatever you come up with, uh, we'll figure out some way to answer it. So the mailbag's going to be definitely open for business. Make sure that you get there. Five star rating. Leave us a review and leave us a question for the mailbag in that review, and it'll get added to the mailbag. Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.